Hello, this is Steven. And this is Sasha. And this is Shut Up, I Love It. A podcast where our guests come on to champion a part of pop culture that's underrated and or underappreciated. Yeah. Joining us today, well... So he wrote a bio, mm -hmm. but um, it sucks. Yeah, this bio tells more about what this person is than what his life has been up yeah, until this it point. It speaks more to his um, self-centered approach to life than it does to who he really is. So this is what he wanted us to tell the audience. We are blessed to have a very special guest today. Rarely in life do you come across someone who radiates wisdom, serenity, and kindness so viscerally that you find yourself momentarily breathless. A comedian. Hmm? Humanitarian. Hmm? No comma. A scientist. I guess that part seems true for sure. He is a dear, dear friend of ours who we both miss terribly. Yeah, and um, we both saw that, and I think, Sasha, I think you might have actually gagged upon reading it. Um, yeah, I gagged slash replied all saying unsubscribe, because <laughs> it was just too much for me. Yeah, so I think Sasha and I decided that we would freestyle a bio for this man, because we know him relatively well. We've known him for almost five years, right? I haven't seen him up until today, right? I hadn't seen him in two and a half years mm, wow. but he walked through the door mm. he looked as fresh and youthful as i remember him there was a time where because you haven't seen him in two and a half years i've seen him sporadically in that time yes and i've been jealous about that <laughs> i have to admit there was a period of time where he was too skinny and i was getting worried about him now was, he just looks svelte yeah, now he, he looks healthy, at mm -hmm. least. But there was a period of time where he looked unhealthy. He told me he had a caparese sandwich today, so I know oh, he's wow. eating. <laughs> uh, okay, so he, we know, this man, mm -hmm. he is a, an American man of Palestinian descent. The friendship between me and him is proof that there is hope in Israel and Palestine for a future. Because you are from countries. Israel, right? right? Yeah, I'm Israeli. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're not. No. <laughs> Go ahead. He is a doctor. He's a doctor, he's a holder of a PhD, and yeah. he wrote his PhD about uh, converting water into hydrogen-based fuel. Wow. And is that something you're doing? Or was it all just theoretical? Well, he told me, right, that it's something that requires a lot of energy to mm. process, so it's inefficient. But there's certain things you can do to create hydrogen fuel along with other forms of sustainable energy that will maybe save the world, right? And this energy thing is important because what the listeners don't know yet is that this man spent a couple of years working in Donald Trump's Department of Energy in uh, Washington, D.C. He got hired to work for what we thought would be Hillary mm -hmm. Clinton's administration. Yeah. But instead of turning down the job, he doubled down and said, yes, I would like to work for Donald Trump and I will move to Washington, D.C. immediately. This is when we lost the side of him and he was on our improv team right. direct to video that's how we know him he still pays dues he still pays dues although he, there was a period of time when he didn't pay his dues <laughs> and when we say dues we mean the coach dues slash renting the theater space mm -hmm. but then he did offer his services of 
chipping in once a month, once again. Right, because now he lives in California again, mm-hmm. though not in Los Angeles like Sasha and I. Instead, he lives in Santa Barbara. The very posh Santa Barbara, a mile away from State Street, or maybe on State Street, but wow. um, yeah, in the one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> <laughs> that he pays $2,500 a month for? Yes, and yeah. he has a party later on to go to in right. Thousand Oaks. A housewarming party. For a friend, yeah, who owns a house. Yeah, owns property. And I think this, the man we're talking about, I think he was born in America, but he may have grew up somewhat in uh, Saudi Arabia, right? Like Yeah, well, he was born in America, grew up in Dubai, at this point, I'm surprised if any of this is going to make it on the podcast of this long version of us trying to tell us who our guest today is. Who is this, Stephen? He is Fadl Saadi. Welcome, Fadl. Hey, guys. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you so much for that introduction. How was six the bio? Minutes in, six minutes in. I, How, are you satisfied with it? I are thought there, it was a, a great bio. Are there any parts we got wrong? Anything you're going to want us to cut out? Um, no, twenty five hundred dollars. I would add. No, I don't care about that. I would no, add. Bottles rent is staying in. Absolutely. I would add that I was um, a member of the Obama Department of Energy for three whole days before <laughs> Donald Trump became president. I think I might have been the last person to join the uh, executive branch right before Obama stepped down. How oh, before he stepped down so magnanimously. <laughs> Fadl, how sure were you at the time when you, you know, three days before, right, the election, mm-hmm. how sure were you that Hillary Clinton is going to win on a 100% scale? Well, this was, sorry, this was after the election had happened already. He, mm. he Fadl went into this right. job knowing that Donald that Trump would true. be the president in three days. Okay. How sure were you then, I guess, knowing that you would go to Washington, D.C. to work there? How sure were you pre-election that Hillary Clinton is going to win on a 100% scale? My friend texted me the day of the election and asked me what I thought the chances were. And I said it, I thought it was a 75% chance that Hillary Clinton would win. Did I believe that it was a 75% <laughs> chance? I don't know. I think mentally... I had a disconnect between what my rational side was saying, which was it was a 75% chance, and my emotional side, which was pretty strongly leaning towards a uh, Hillary Clinton election. So I thought... So that was it, a joke, basically. You no, mean. I didn't think it was a joke. Was I just a, like couldn't reconcile... It was the logical response, right. but not necessarily the pathetic response. Right, exactly. But what time of the day was that text? Was it during the... <laughs> it was 8 a.m. Pacific oh, okay. time. No, mm-hmm. no, I... You know, if you look at the polls and you and you looked at it before the election it was a tight race but i remember taking a shower that day thinking i can't wait to never hear donald trump's name again like i remember thinking my life has been absorbed by this just id and i can't wait until we get rid of it and yeah uh, at the, at the time, Fadl and I were both reading the political website 538 pretty closely, yeah. and they were pretty consistent up until the election in saying that, yeah, there is like a one in three chance that Donald Trump is going to win this. One in three? Yeah, because wow. that's like a 33% chance, right? But instead of people thinking about it that way, of it being a one in three chance, people were thinking about it as, 
now Hillary Clinton's got a 67% chance, which means she's going to win. Mm. Right. Um, and so that's why we're here today to talk about the 2016 election, <laughs> which is something that most people don't like, but Fadl thinks is worth revisiting. Uh, Fadl yeah. and I, the day before the election, saw the movie Trolls. That's true. That was my. It was my birthday. <laughs> and that's what we saw. The last saw happy trolls. day of our lives. Yeah. Of all of I, us. I saw Trolls with Foddle, and then I drove back to Hollywood and saw Hacksaw Ridge with Megan. Because and, back uh, in the day, right? Back then, you saw more than 400 movies a year? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of movies. Um, I still see more than most people, probably, but... Not like that, right? Not like I was back then. And importantly, back then, Stephen couldn't find anybody else to go see the <laughs> truly atrocious films with, and I would always be game. So it became a habit of ours to see just the worst movies in cinema. I would always happily put down the 10 to $12 that it would cost. <laughs> Stephen would use his, at the time, little-known movie pass, and yeah. we would R.I.P. Back from the dead and R.I.P. again. Yep, yep, R.I.P. again. Yeah, I was an early adopter on MoviePass. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, Fadl, we saw some really bad stuff. Really bad stuff. We saw Boo, a Madea Halloween. We saw Tarzan. Tarzan, yeah, that's a movie that people forget. Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. We did not see together the subject of today's episode. We did not. And now that we are at about 11 (laughs) minutes into the podcast, Fadl, would you tell us... What are we here to talk about today? We're here to talk about Triple X Return of Xander Cage. Yeah. The That's third Triple right. X film. A Vin Diesel vehicle. That's right. Mm-hmm. The Vin Diesel Returns. Because Vin Diesel famously did not star in the sequel to the original Triple X, Triple X State of the Union. Which was not supposed to be even a thing. Apparently, it was supposed to be the first one going directly into the third one. Hmm. And the second one just probably Vin Diesel wasn't available. And this is why they made it without him involved. Hmm. Instead, they have Ice Cube. So, Fadl, why is Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage, a good fit for Shut Up, I Love It? I think Triple X, Return of Xander Cage is a great example of a movie that punches above its weight. It's frequently critiqued. It's frequently ridiculed. But if you look at its box office returns, if you look at the amount of joy that it sent to people watching it, it was... You know, a really entertaining movie that I think people are afraid to admit that they enjoyed. Um, wow. Afraid. I think they're afraid. In this political climate, people I think, are I think they're afraid of admit. getting canceled if they go and say. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yep. Well, the film made over $300 million, right? Wow. But we suspect... It's got, a inter- it's got a big international cast. Yes, that it was... Well, it was very forcefully. It has the biggest stars of China and India and Thailand, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, they were just put together in a way that it was very obvious to attract millions and millions and billions of uh, international audience members. So in in that way, it was probably maybe a bit of a disappointment (laughs) if it only made $300 million. I don't know how much tickets are in China and India. I know they're probably not as expensive. I know in Russia, they're not expensive. Mm. I just know, you know, the big international hits now are making, you know, a billion dollars, right? Like Star Wars movies, the big, the bigger Marvel movie releases, these are making a billion dollars. And this is probably what 
the studio wanted for Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage. It doesn't seem like they got it, but... But, you know, did anybody in the United States of America have seen this film, right? Probably not as many people, right, mm-hmm, as they mm-hmm. have seen Avengers. And I think Absolutely, maybe that's yeah. definitely where a billion or so And certainly probably not as many as have seen the Fast and Furious movies, yep. which is presumably why this movie exists, right? The first Triple X came out in the early 2000s. 2002. Yep. Okay. Uh, Vin Diesel vehicle. He's already been in the first Fast and Furious movie. He chooses to do this instead of the sequel. Um, in some ways, he's still fresh off Saving Private Ryan and Strays, the film that he got noticed by by Steven Spielberg, right? Mm. So he made a short that's called Multifaced or Multifaceted. I, I can't remember. He made a short about his acting career and being an ethnically ambiguous actor in Hollywood in 1995. And this short got some attention that led to him making a feature called Strays. Mm. And at that point, Steven Spielberg had seen both the short film and the mm. feature that led to him writing in Vin Diesel in the Saving Private Ryan. And that's what started, jump-started his career. And he's pretty good in, in Saving Private Ryan. You know, it's it's not a big role, but he, mm-hmm. he does a pretty good job with what's in there. And then he kind of goes away for a little while after this and Pitch Black and a, and a couple of other Vin Diesel vehicles that are maybe not so successful. Kind of goes away until that kind of Fast and Furious renaissance happens. Which Fadel, our guest, is a huge, huge. fan of. Huge would you fan. say? Yep. Yeah. Love all Day of them, one. right? Yeah, I saw the first movie in cinemas growing up. I remember it being one of the first movies I saw as a teenager in, in the cinema. Blew my mind. Still regularly watch it. I, I think I rewatched the first one a couple months ago. And you get a totally different Vin Diesel than in the later movies. Mm. So I think it's always interesting to revisit those those earlier movies and see how things have subtly changed. I think there's a stereotype around Vin Diesel that his acting is pretty stilted and, and monotonous. But he definitely gives you a very different... Stiltedness. <laughs> <laughs> the early era stiltedness yeah, versus yeah. the late era it's, stiltedness. It's, it's totally different. That's correct. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you say that, Fadal, because I think his performance in this movie, very, I wouldn't say very different from the character of Dominic <laughs> Toretto, but probably as different as Vin Diesel is willing to get at yeah. this point in his career. How would you describe this character, Fadal? And what's his name? What is? It? I mean, it's I just Xander Cage. It's, Xander it's Cage. in the yeah, title. No, good point. Good point. Um, <laughs> it was a momentary brain freeze. Um, what is the name of the main character in Triple X: The think... Return of Xander Cage? <laughs> well, how would you describe this yeah, character? Yeah, I would say Xander Cage in this movie is the you know combination of James Bond and Dominic Toretto, the character that Vin Diesel plays in Fast and Furious, and Tony Hawk. And Tony Hawk. Though, though I, I think if you add in James Bond, and to me, I don't want to jump Excuse the gun. Excuse me, sir. James Bond has never ridden a skateboard. No, but he did. He's, he doesn't have he good did knees. Snowboard. He doesn't have as good knees as this James guy. Bond snowboarded. Does he snowboard? James Does Bond strikes sit? me as a skier. I've been doing hot yoga for five years, and I can never get this low on my knees as the CGI <laughs> Vin Diesel in his ride down the mountain. I, 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 if you guys could help me remember, I, I'm trying to remember the the James Bond movie where he basically invents snowboarding. 
think. Mm. I know a lot about a lot, but James Bond is not mm. one of my... Uh... We've come to the wrong place. <laughs> Going back up. to Triple X, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Return of Xander Cage. What's the basic setup of this film? Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the basic setup is Dominic Toretto. I'm sorry. So sorry. Xander wow. Cage. I know, right? <laughs> Xander Cage is, is in hiding. And he's faked his own death. He's faked his own death. Right. In, so that he could live simple life in what I think is Dominican Republic. Yeah. In Triple X State of the Union, it is stated that Xander Cage has died. Mm-hmm. And that's why they need a new Triple X. That's why Samuel L. Jackson uh, recruits a new Triple X in the form of Ice Cube. And Triple X is a former athlete, right? Like extreme he's a, athlete. He's a former skateboarder. If you see the first movie, he was sort of a vigilante kind of really activist um, yeah uh, <laughs> uses i i say i would say cameras in inspired ways that we wouldn't really use for another decade or so and he you know keeps on saving the world right he's an agent for nsa and so yeah we find xander cage we find xander cage living a peaceful life in dominican republic he is beloved by everybody, including his hot girlfriend. That including doesn't his... come back. No, I, I thought about a... I thought about that for a while. I'm not sure if she's his girlfriend or just takes a ride on his yeah. piggybacking. Yeah. You know, something that is very clear about this character is he is sexually uh, unavailable, irresistible, mm-hmm. Wait, unavailable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I thought so. Like he's kind of like a tease. Maybe em- emotionally on it, but no, he because he has sex with this well, woman. He does have he, sex with like and twenty women. And then he has sex with like five women at like, once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he's just like, uh, "Gotta do what I gotta do." Right. Um, I'm pretty sure the phrase was the things I do for my country. <laughs> this is, by the way, very interesting. When you mm-hmm. see him, like, where is he at this moment? This character that we need at this time, right? Because. The world is about to end because there's a Pandora box. There's an object that uh, makes satellites turn into bombs, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, the movie opens. The the very beginning of the movie, we have the Samuel L. Jackson character who's in the first two movies who kind of recruits uh, men to be triple X. He is recruiting a real-life soccer player. That is correct. Right? Yeah. He's supposed to be one of the best he, ones. He well, is one legendary. of the... He is a very well-known Brazilian soccer player, very Neymar, good. Neymar, Neymar Junior. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did you know of him, Fado? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He was he mm-hmm. was huge in the World Cup as well. He played a pivotal role for Brazil. Mm. Um, and if you p- play pivotal role in Brazil, you know you're a hot soccer player. Yeah. Brazil, yeah. Brazil is the thing, the place to be soccer player at. And so, if you're the soccer player, then Samuel Jackson is going to recruit you to be the Triple right. X. And importantly. Neymar is playing Neymar in this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's playing himself. Samuel L. Jackson trying to recruit him. Who thinks, by the way, Neymar, that he's going to be recruited to be an Avenger? <laughs> to see yeah. the, when I watched the movie, I was watching it in a less than legal way. Mm. And so there were no subtitles for the... There's not that many lines in a foreign language in this film. But for those four or five lines, there weren't any subtitles. So I was just trying to go off of Samuel L. Jackson's reactions to figure out what Neymar was saying. Then I envy your ability to understand what the female protagonist of this film is saying because I would not get through without subtitles with her. Oh, wow. No, I... The Indian woman? The Indian actress? Hmm. Mm -hmm. But I'm bad with any type of accents. I need subtitles for anything that's not American. It's reasonable. Uh, 
Samuel Jackson's trying to recruit him. Neymar's mm-hmm. saying, eh, no thanks, I'm not a killer. Some other things happen, and then they're both killed immediately by a falling satellite. So not only has Samuel L. Jackson's character been killed, but whoever the mysterious villain of this film is, they've also robbed the world of the soccer talent that is Neymar. What a piece of shit. Yep. And Spoiler s- alert, they're both alive. <laughs> wow, that's that, that's spoilers are coming spoiler. hot and heavy. That's the last shot of yeah. <laughs> I, I will say Samuel Jackson looks like he's having the time of his life in this movie. I mean, he's. I don't get the sense that he's doing this begrudgingly. I get the sense he was happy to take on this role and and play along, which I would say in the case of this movie is something that allows me to enjoy it more. Is I get the sense that a lot of the characters in this movie, a lot of the actors are thoroughly enjoying themselves. Mm. And in a movie like this, you want to have that vibe. I think um, just I don't want to draw too many analogies to the Fast and Furious franchise, but you do get that sense in some of the later movies as well. They recognize the kind of movie that it is and they thoroughly love it nonetheless. Well, um, I guess Samuel L. Jackson was really enjoying himself knowing that he only has to be there for a day and get paid probably a lot of money. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. So much money. So because this character has died, and Gibbons is the character's name. and Augustus uh, Gibbons. Augustus Gibbons. That's a good name. Yeah. That's a good name. Quite a few good names in this film. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he has died, Xander Cage still feels this affinity for the man. And so when Tony Collette's Agent Mark... Uh, comes to bring him back into the NSA fold, Xander can't help but agree. Even though he calls her suit. Mm-hmm. Doesn't like her. Yeah. Spoiler alert, she's bad. <laughs> well, she is the bad one. She's the final villain one, of the film. One thing uh, that is that is pretty amazing to note when they first meet, it's a setup where they're at a public market and Xander Cage is hanging out there and this foreign or this you know person he doesn't know the stranger sits next to him starts speaking with him and then gets up and leaves leaves his bag there and it's filled with bombs which Xander doesn't notice right away he looks around he's like "Mm." and then he's like oh there's a bag at his feet Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. what is going on i think he says something like here we go again and he doesn't look alarmed which would seem like bad acting until we find out why he's not scared i don't think he ever looks alarmed at any point in the movie he stays pretty one note let's just put it (laughs) that so he he had figured out from essentially the moment he arrived into that marketplace that it was a setup everyone there is an is an nsa agent everyone there is an including agent the children that is correct <sighs> there's something very disturbing slash enticing about that weird 360 shot when he's holding mm-hmm. the fake mm-hmm. machine gun right that's shooting, shooting blanks. blanks but do we know at the point when he's shooting blanks that it's blanks i think we we're supposed to figure it out I think. as it's shooting for like good 10 seconds right mm-hmm. he's standing there mm-hmm. and the camera's going 360 around him and he's shooting he's with also the most, rotating he's also yeah. rotating right and it's going with the most cavalier attitude he's shooting in the space at this innocent people around him right and we're just going what the fuck happened right. uh, and then we notice all the agents dressed in black outfits they're still standing there and we're like oh they're not dying because this is blanks and guess what this is all one big performance a staged thing to get him back into nsa right. yeah i think importantly agent mark says to him there could have been live bullets in that 
machine gun and he said if there were live bullets you would be wearing life vests so double he, come back later yeah he had already thought it through already at this point what the movie presents to us as the villains they've been introduced mm-hmm. uh, as well which is kind of a crew of badass operatives led by donnie yen as zhang the, you know yep. the magnet for most viewership of this film because most oh. most money was made in China. He's mm. the big Hong Kong star. He's the number one Hong he Kong rules. star. Donnie Yen rules. So yeah, this is a team of, of badass operatives composed of Donnie Yen. Blind dude from Rogue One. Right, yeah. You, mm-hmm. you might recognize him from there. Yeah. Michael Bisping is uh, on the team. Tony Ja mm-hmm. is part of the team. And Deepika... Patukoni... Uh, and uh, some other famous Indian. Uh, well, yeah, no, and I, I think this is Tony Jaa's, I think, a frequent side character in Hollywood these days. I love his style of combat. So they want to have a big party, right? They're trying to have a big party in the Philippines. Yeah, they, so they've stolen from the NSA a version of this Pandora's box. Right. Mark wants Xander to go in with a team of NSA agents to get it back. Xander says, no, 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 I will not work with these men. Yeah. And instead, and he uh, almost like, kills them. Yeah, he like, <laughs> it just ejects them from the plane. Right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and instead gathers his own crew right. of badass operatives to go up against Donnie Yen's. And this is, I imagine, just the writers being like, what's the fucking craziest way we can introduce mm-hmm. each of these characters? Yep. You look so badass, you know? <laughs> <laughs> One of them is shooting lions? Question mark. No. Oh, but no, no, no. She loves animals, and instead, she is shooting poachers in the savanna desert. And she's played by Ruby Rose mm-hmm. from Orange Is the New Black, I think, among other things. Uh, Model of, and she, gender fluid. She uh, kills it. actress. Honestly, I think she's a better. Uh, she's the better part of this yeah. film. I agree. <laughs> Uh, other well, members of the team include Rory McCann, who you might recognize from Hot Fuzz or Game mm-hmm, of Thrones. Mm-hmm. He is playing Tennyson, Tennyson who loves to crash things. Mm-hmm. He's building up to his 200th crash. Yep. Uh, uh, and in case we are missing all that, there's the trend spotting like title that comes up in the freeze frame <laughs> gives like stats, stats about every character because hey it's 2017 and that style is still very hot isn't it and then i think just to round out the team uh, you had chris Wu, who was a dj right that is his that's role. his superpower that's, that's his role in his the team. superpower seems to be being DJ. able to Get everybody to have a good time at a party. And that's a good skill. It is, right? <laughs> um, and the character that I could just totally live without, that I constantly kept forgetting that he is in the film, Hawk. Hawk. Who's Hawk? By Michael Bisping. Oh, he's part of uh, he's part Donnie of Yen's guys? crew. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I literally could have caught him out of the film and I would have not mm-hmm. noticed. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Apologize to Michael Bisping. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Bisping, if you're listening to me, I could not care less for your character. But hey, you didn't write it yourself. He does. He's. He, I would say of like the quote unquote bad team, he's the mm-hmm. least mm-hmm. Uh, defined of that group. He's a poor man's Channing Tatum looking guy. Sure, he's he's wow. bigger than that. Thick neck. Uh, yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, so we've got these two teams, right, Fado? And they're going to uh, come to a head in the Philippines. Right, so Xander Cage's crew is going to the Philippines to try to retrieve this device, make sure that they save the world. Uh, they do so by first negotiating their entry into this island in the Philippines, which is a, a large rave. I mean, this this island is just fueled on vodka mostly. And I mean, <laughs> anybody can really get in there if they pay the right price, it yep. seems like. Which was guns? In his case, it was guns. <laughs> I don't think I could get in. I'll be real. I don't think I could get in. I don't. Sasha own, could get in. I don't own anything. Except my car, and I don't think they Shark. would take it. Uh, my dog, my puppy. I would not give away puppy. Here's the thing. Here's what you do. You put Shark up saying, <laughs> I'll give you Shark. But then, much like in this movie, it's going to end in a shootout. You'll get Shark back. Right. Nobody dies in this film. No, no. I think... <laughs> At least not think... on screen. <laughs> what, what? They all come back. Even Tony Collette. I don't think she's dead. Do you think I'm... she's dead? It's Okay, so let, uh, jump to the end just <laughs> for a quick second. Mm-hmm. Because Tony Collette kind of goes out of the movie the way that this NSA strike force team did. Donnie Yen ejects her from a plane yeah, like, yeah, like, with cat- a parachute though right and then so, they act like she's gonna die but i'm like she's definitely coming back on xander cage whatever <laughs> xander cage nine. so yeah i don't know why they're just like oh yeah she's dead because we get don't rid see of the only real anything. actor in this film <laughs> <laughs> wow okay but back to the rave. back to the rave so after we find out that xander cage can break a gun in half with his knee i have to rewind and play pretty cool shot (laughs) to be honest the bouncer at the rave is really taken with that moment yeah i think this is when my boyfriend walked in and he was like what are you watching (laughs) and he looked over my shoulder and he saw Vin diesel just breaking the gun in half and he was like never mind and walked away (laughs) like I i would say that scene encapsulates whether or not you would enjoy this movie Hmm. if you see that scene of Vin Diesel breaking a machine gun in half on his knee and laugh and enjoyment and merriment, then I think you would like this movie. And if you roll your eyes and say, oh, this is silly, I don't think you would enjoy it. You don't think it's the scene that's to come later where they're riding their motorcycles Mm. over the ocean? The motorcycle (laughs) water skis? Mm. (laughs) That's another great example of another scene, I guess, you could walk into and decide whether or not you would love this movie. Including what probably took a long time to render like a CGI (laughs) close-up of Vin Diesel coming up from the water in slow motion and breaking it up like a bubble of life. I just want to talk about these motorcycle water skis Mm -hmm. for a second. Fado, you might know this. Are they real? I don't think so. Because the two of them, it's a a chase that happens a little bit after what we're Mm -hmm. talking about right now, where Donnie Yen and uh, Xander Cage are in a motorcycle chase, and eventually they get to the beach, and the motorcycles turn into water skis. And they both handle it with aplomb. Yeah. It seems like they've used motorcycle water skis many times. Is that a thing? I don't think so. <laughs> it can't be. It can't possibly be. That's like close but to just... Jesus walking on water, right? I mean, this is, yeah. we're talking about the same thing. Well, and also just the, the part where Vin Diesel, like you just said, is under mm-hmm, the water mm-hmm. and somehow this motorcycle is still propelling him through the water. It's just a wheel. It's just a spinning what wheel think, that, that the, wouldn't move you forward through water. It's the most qualified scientist in this room. What would you say? I'm not a scientist at all. Steven has a, a bachelor's degree in biology. Neither of us have a, Do you have a physics degree? No. No, neither of us have a physics degree. So, That being said, I do feel 
pretty confident that such a device would be hard to fabricate. <laughs> I, I'll say that. And probably wouldn't hold up upon being fully submerged <laughs> underwater. I have a hard time imagining how it would then go back. Mm-hmm. And then the change surface, trajectory and go up. I'm a little confused for how that sequence ends for Donnie Yen's character. Does he ride his across the entire ocean? Because <laughs> he just kind of keeps going, right? <laughs> Eventually, Xander Cage turns back well, to the beach. Well, they're in the Philippines. He might have bumped into <laughs> to another, another island. island. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Go back, flashback to the party. Uh, flashback for us, not for a flashback not for in the them. movie. There are not no for flashbacks them. in the film. <laughs> if you hate flashbacks, this is your film. Yeah. <laughs> Xander Cage wisely decides to only drink juice. He wants to stay alert and sharp. Mm -hmm. He has his team carefully spread out throughout the island. You have Ruby Rose hanging from a tree in In her normal sniper fashion. In a great sniper fashion. And Xander Cage himself is walking around. Pressing the flesh. Mm -hmm. trying to look like he belongs in the party, which doesn't seem to be very difficult for him. The movie would have us believe he blends in well, uh, which does not seem possible in real life. You don't think so? I thought he looked like a natural. He looked 15 years older than most people in that party. (laughs) Start with that. Vin Diesel probably looks 15 years older than most people wherever he's going. (laughs) Because, you know, young kids love his movies. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if that's true anymore. Mm. I feel like probably it is people Foddle's age Mm. at this point who are big Vin Diesel fans. People with a lot of testosterone and desire to watch those bikini gals, I tell you. And that's clearly Foddle. Why wasn't that in Foddle's biography at the beginning (laughs) of the episode? It is not why I enjoy these movies. I enjoy them for their intellectual... questions and messaging yes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so uh, at this party he eventually runs into deepika's character and donnie yen's character Mm -hmm. and then we see the very extended adr scene between the two of them where you almost never see her mouth move because (laughs) it's all been recorded at a different time so instead (laughs) the camera goes up and down cinematography by dp russell carpenter also the cinematographer of Titanic and oh, an what? Errol Morris commercial that I was in. Really? Yeah. That's our that's our two degree separation from this movie. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Errol, yeah. Famous so, well, DP. First you said Errol Morris and I thought Errol Flynn. And I thought, <laughs> how old is this guy? But now you're in an Errol Morris commercial? I was briefly in an Errol Morris commercial. What is a commercial for... Mm. Some uh, technology stuff. I cannot okay. remember. It was years back, but uh, that he directed. Yeah, wow. He was great. He was very cool dude. I bet that mm-hmm. sounds really cool. No, I'm a big fan. So let's get him on the podcast. Yeah, but yeah, the camera is never really on her mouth because mm. she recorded her lines way later, not in the scene. So instead, we see this what's supposed to be very heated romantic encounter. Supposed to be, yeah. Yeah, supposed to be. There's no chemistry on screen. (laughs) And I don't need to have a chemistry degree like Fadal to tell you (laughs) there's no chemistry between these two actors, even though she's very attractive. But And he... uh, (laughs) The movie would have us believe there is chemistry, (laughs) regardless of whether there is or not. We are meant to believe that there is. He puts she, a... she is also the third woman that has chemistry with. <laughs> oh right! Yeah, we're like Xander twenty Cage. minutes in, it's and uh, yeah. we skip straight over the orgy. Yeah, Which, yeah. Let's let's go back to the orgy real quick because <laughs> I think that did not belong in the movie at all. No, but that's how I feel about most movies where Vin Diesel is asked 
to exist in a sexual function. He seems sexless. I guess that's what I meant earlier when mm, I said that he makes feels sense. like sexually like unavailable. I think Vin Diesel, the the human being, mm. seems sexless to I've me. I've heard this, but same. this character is supposed to be I guess exuding yeah. a raw sexuality mm-hmm. that is irresistible. Mm-hmm to women i've heard the same Only. thing about the rock do you also feel like dwayne johnson has a sexless vibe I, yes. to him yes. i feel the same way about him i i don't but know I, why I, mm-hmm. I feel a lot like that about men with a lot of guns like people who work out a lot though mm. like it's i don't know how what's the equivalent for cis you know females would be but like for me cis men like who mm-hmm. just spend a lot of time in the gym i it's like they become almost like looking intra like at themselves then out and there's just like no chemistry that they're sending out there into the world you know i I mean i would also say the same thing probably about arnold schwarzenegger right Mm -hmm. like i never followed there are there are movies where arnold schwarzenegger is playing a married man but Mm -hmm. i get no sense that he and the woman playing his wife in any of those movies that have ever had sex except maybe true lies there's maybe a little chemistry between him and jamie lee curtis in that movie i know we're talking about big hollywood actors but um i would say like to me like currently the sexiest male actor that i think i could think of michael shannon Mm. no but i was talking about a sort of a smaller scale (laughs) Mm -hmm, but still very mm -hmm. talented actor andre who's the guy from nick oh yeah and from um seeing castle rock castle rock Andre Holland. Andre Holland to me is like the sexiest guy on any screen right now. Yeah, he's I great. Think, yeah, yeah, I think he doesn't do a lot of you know films yet, or maybe I don't know. He's in, <laughs> that's theater. He's in. There is a Jurassic World short that huh. just got released. It was supposed to be attached to Hobbs and Shaw. Fottles. I uh, find this interesting. It was supposed to play in front of Hobbs and Shaw in theaters. I guess they decided it's not very good, so they released it online. It's directed by Colin Trevorrow, and it's like six minutes long, and it's just about a family like witnessing a dinosaur attack, and Andre Holland is the only actor of note in mm-hmm. that. Unfortunately, he doesn't get a whole lot to do. But yeah, uh, look it up. So. <laughs> I will. Well, so, so Vin Diesel needs to figure out who these three or four sorry mysterious talented oh, we keep assassins about michael bisping. we do keep forgetting about him i'm so sorry michael <laughs> personal apologies to yeah you. Mm-hmm. all three of us would like to invite you to be a member you come over my house yeah. there's pot hanging from the ceiling if you're smoke pot i'll give you some if anyone listening to this has a line into Michael Bisping, please pass along our apologies and send him this audio file. Really? Yeah. He's one of the four? Yeah. yeah. Oh. He's the white guy. I, yeah. I, I know, but I That's couldn't... why... Oh. But it's, I mean, to be fair, like, Donnie Yen and Deepika are, like, they're given, the they're given yeah. character mm-hmm. moments. Mm-hmm. And Tony Ja kind of just has a personality in the way that he performs. Michael Bisping is not really given anything to do right. in and a way not to like, doing set himself apart. Do whatever he's given anything yeah. either. Yeah. Sorry, Michael Bisping. Um, <laughs> again, you can Michael, again defend sorry. yourself if you come. To, if you come, you don't even yeah. have to defend yourself. Here's what I'll say, Michael Bisping. You come to the podcast studio. I will not criticize you in mm-hmm. any way, and I will retract any mean thing that I've said about you up we'll to now. Give you 45 minutes to talk about anything you want. Except you know racial slurs or misogynistic terms like things. Oh, if that's what you want to talk about, don't come. 
<laughs> I, if that's what you want to talk about, Michael, don't come. I retract the offer. That would be a weird topic of popular culture that you wanted to defend. Like if someone came and wanted to defend Gamergate. We've had uh, people uh, offer to defend incels on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. That was the uh, pitch that we had. We, that's the one. Not the, one the person st- you're thinking of. Oh, wow. No. That's the one stop Stephen had to put on. <laughs> that's the one time I vetoed a, a suggestion. Which makes him look a lot more like a hero than me stopping like an alarm clock or something from like 1990s or something that I turned out. But anyway, uh, back to this film that's right, obviously right. sucking us in so hard. We, oh. just, we just keep going on different tangents. Yeah, so Vin Diesel goes... To the United Kingdom to find Ainsley. Played by an actress whose first name in real life is Hermione. That is correct. Way before Harry Potter was a she thing. She must have been born yeah. before Harry Potter, yeah. It's a real name. Yeah. Who knew? I don't know any Hermione. I don't know any Hermione. Are we sure it's before? How? When was the oldest Harry Potter book released? She was born in 1993, and the first mm. Harry Potter book came out in 1997. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's a... Mm-hmm. Either like her parents were friends with J.K. Rowling for and a moment, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> or, or yeah, or it's, or like, it's a real name, or it's like Sarah in the UK. You know, like, we'll never know. We'll the never UK's know. Of Sarah. <laughs> so she is currently under house arrest because of her hacking endeavors in the past. Nonetheless, Xander Cage goes and asks her for a favor to track down these four mysterious assassins and she's able to do this you know so so she's first we meet her she's swimming in an infinity pool i believe it's an infinity pool she gets out of the infinity pool she has another kind of flirtatious interaction with with xander cage lots of cha-cha shots close up on her cha-cha is that the vagina sure i i just i I I wasn't sure i thought it was an underused Word for vaginas. Uh, but so she agrees to help Xander Cage. But only if he fucks six women at well, the same time. She's a little concerned that he might be wearing a wire. Yes. Um, and so she needs to make sure that he's not. She should be concerned because he's wearing a very large coat that could hide, honestly, a wire from 1965. This is Xander Cage's signature fur coat. That is correct. Uh, from the original Triple X film. I would film. go as far as say that this coat is the comic relief of this film. <laughs> Because he, like, lightens up Vin Diesel and talks about it like it's, you know, a it's child. a thing that he, yeah, and yeah, he needs to pick it up. Yeah, there's a code I need to pick up. And, and you believe that. Like, you believe that he flew to the United Kingdom and specifically sought out Ainsley for the coat. You do? I think you so. Do? I you do. do believe that? I believe that. And then later, Tony Collette really upset about that code. And yeah. she says, this is an animal like Something it's like still it's like alive a, like it's alive yeah. that coat the asked. coat does disappear in yeah. the second half of the movie which is strange for something that is seems to be like a totemic representation of xander cage's internal uh personality you know but hermione is very concerned that he's wearing a wire but she's not going to check it herself she nope. doesn't get her hands dirty so instead her six she owns a brothel right is that what it is <laughs> i don't <laughs> I think it's like a hacker cafe. Isn't one of those women holding a gun when he gets there? I I thought they were like her muscle or something. So weird. I thought they were holding like laptops. At least several of them Laptops, guns in 2019. What's the difference, Foddle? (laughs) (laughs) 
when you can make a satellite drop out of the sky, who needs gun control? I'm running for president. <laughs> Stephen Cohen for president, not the one you're thinking. Um, so yeah, all those women, like it's just like bad actors that mm-hmm. they could find that look of different ethnicities. They just get in and they're like, I don't okay. know they're bad. I'm going to defend them. We don't know yeah, if they're bad I mean, actors. That seems like a judgment we're not prepared to pass yet. If any of those actresses want to come <laughs> on this podcast. Make I'll... sure you bring Michael Bisping with you. <laughs> here's Sasha, what... here's what I'll yeah. say. Think about what these women are tasked with doing in this Ugh. scene, which is looking at Vin Diesel as a sexual object yeah, that they want to devour. That's true. That's true. You know, I, I, I I wouldn't have been able to pull but it off. But this is when I, I told myself, I said the directing is bad in this mm. film. Like mm-hmm. up until then, I was like, I can't deal with the obnoxious things that have been happening and I'm fine with them and I'm having fun. And then I was like, this is just so stupid because it's just like freeze frame almost on them like walking in and like ready to devour Vin Diesel. And they would go to this like really weird shot of them laying there in different negligee mm-hmm. and like different poses. And he's just standing there like and they're all dressed, you know, because it's PG-13 and it's like for Chinese government to be approved of like, you know, non-sexual movie. And so he then goes like the famous phrase. The things I do for my country. Right. And mm-hmm. then we kind of move on. We we have put the check mark of that. Yes, he's a sex object for all, this, right. all the women he meets. Right. I, I mean, he has nothing against Banshee's Anthony Starr, right? No. I mean, Lucas no, Hood. Lucas Hood is all hot and sexy. This and is if this, this were Banshee, we would have seen the penetration. Oh, that's yeah. true. Probably. Uh, um, <laughs> that's that's what really upset Stephen while he was watching his pirated version of this movie. Where's the penetration? Uh, but like you said, he is a sexual being, and it persists throughout the movie. We didn't mention the character played by Nina Dobrev. Because uh, she sucked. In this. <laughs> I don't even know I her name. I thought she was delightful. I don't know her name, but she's playing like the tech person mm-hmm. uh, on the NSA side. She is so taken with Xander when she meets him that she has this kind of diarrhea of the mouth where she mm-hmm. keeps talking because, about her know, sexual classic Lauren Graham kind of hmm. neurotic, overwhelmed, or as described in Wikipedia page, introverted character. I was like, she's not introverted <laughs> no, she's at not all. Introverted. She's no. talking nonstop. Uh, no. But you know, it's like this actor Nina Dobrev, Russian-American actor. Do you know her? No, but I know because there's very few of them, right? So, like, anytime I see a Russian name, like Mm -hmm. Mila... Jovovich? Mila Kunis. And... And you know Dobrev, I'm like, oh, okay, well, like you just know because there's so few of them, mm-hmm. right? But she was in like vampire. I don't yeah. know. She was in some vampire, 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 vampire diaries. She was, and so here she's doing like pretty much playing technically with like Lauren Graham and all this like people established and Gilmore Girls and there's just like a whole stereotype at this point of you know attractive women with glasses mm-hmm. and dark hair. The librarian, right? But also who is just bumbling and just kind of like just a, a word diarrhea and she's only very technical and smart and, and she's very insecure but she's expressing everything that's going on inside and there's a lot going inside and I just didn't buy it like she was just to me she, her acting was she was playing something she's seen on TV and she's referring to that existing character like there was just like nothing real that she added of her own so Fair enough. that's my judgment of that acting I'm is, sorry is she allowed Dob- to come and defend herself she's more than welcome to come okay. here yeah. Look, any actor from Triple X, The Return of Santa Cage, is welcome on the show. Who would you want most 
don't go for like oh I'm Vin Diesel because it's gonna make this podcast I wouldn't want him but like yeah like who would you want including you Fadal would you want to be on this podcast I think if he was comfortable coming on the person I would most want to spend uh, like 70 minutes talking to would be Donnie Yen I love Donnie Yen I enjoyed him quite a bit in this film he was projecting a lot of confidence which Mm -hmm. I I gave him credit for mm-hmm. for being in this strange film that I bet you was very strange to be in with Vin Diesel, who I will tell you a story later or now Ooh. about Ooh. how strange he is, uh, like a secret Hollywood story. And, you know, and yeah, I was like, Donnie Yen is like yeah. doing pretty like solid job of handling this character. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if Donnie, how Donnie Yen's like conversational English is. He may not want to come on the podcast yeah. just he may not be comfortable if doing Donnie Yen was to come in with an interpreter we can make it happen that'd be great yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. how about you Sasha oh god who did I like in this <laughs> oh boy wow. <laughs> mm. yeah well, Tony I, Collette would be great oh yeah. god yeah that'll be my answer she's the real yeah. actor in this film I'll I would once I again. would love to have a have a <laughs> meeting with Samuel Tony Jackson yeah uh, he was just like he showed up for half a day, yeah. you know. He, I mean, like, wait, he's wait, not going to remember this. Oh, wait, are we... Is is the interview about the movie or is it in I general? Think, I think it's just who would we want to have as a yeah. guest on the just podcast. Just come over and talk. I would love to have Tony Ja come and just hmm. learn what his experience has been breaking into Hollywood. I think <laughs> I think he's done a, a really interesting pivot in his, <sighs> um, his career. I, I watched a few of his movies back in the day. Um, Hong Bak. Oh, yep, those were great. I've never seen those. They're they're really, um, you know, really entertaining. He's, he's very good at them, and uh, he was in uh, one of the Fast and Furious movies. That's I right, believe Fast Seven. Seven. Yeah, I've always left the movie theater when he comes on, wishing that he had more to play. To speed up through the. <laughs> yeah, so let's yeah. get. We'll get back to the present of our summary. They're at the rave, right? Xander Cage has met up with Deepika and also with Don Yen and we have this uh, the grenade scene right where they're kind of uh, uh, negotiating who should have Pandora's box and in doing that they are rolling uh, grenades with the pins pulled out they're playing hot potato with live grenades it's Russian yeah Russian roulette uh, style just to see who is willing to die the most for Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what purpose that scene serves to the larger it's cool. narrative. It's cool, it's yeah. It's cool. But then some some guys uh, roll in trying to take Pandora's box, and that's what leads to uh, Xander and Donnie Yen both kind of taking off and, and mm-hmm. the motorcycle water ski chase that we talked about before. This is still very early in the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, things happen after that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the big thing that eventually happens is they team up. Right. Right. It turns out that people within the the American government are the ones who are using Pandora's box for ill. Right. And that eventually includes Mark. She reveals Tony that, that she wants to be the one in control of Pandora's box. And she even shoots Xander Cage to get him out of the way. Turns out, though, he was wearing body armor. Not for which a second we, we think he's dying. <laughs> which which we were introduced to his body armor because Nina Dobrev put it on him earlier in the movie. Oh, that's right. Yep. That great scene of her dressing mm-hmm. him. <laughs> it's at this point that the two teams... we Well, we found out that Donnie Yen... And Deepika and Tony Jaa and Michael Bisping mm-hmm. are all former Triple X 
They used to be Triple X. They were recruited by Samuel L. Jackson. They are still trying to save the world, despite no longer being associated with the NSA. And so Xander's team teams up with that team to take down Mark and the NSA, which is a, honestly an interesting political perspective for this movie to have, you know, kind yeah. of an anti-law enforcement, I don't know. And which this, I would say is a theme in several of Vin Diesel's movies is sort of an irreverence, I would say, for the federal government and military industrial complex. Yeah. Well, guess what, listeners? They succeed. Yep. Not only do they succeed, none of them die. Nope. <laughs> Seems like a movie where at least one of the members of the main team would die, but none of them do. In fact, we add more characters to the team because Vin Diesel gives Deepika this phone and he insists, if you're ever in trouble, dial nine because Triple X takes care of its own. Mm-hmm. And eventually when the cards are down, she dials nine and who shows up? Ice Cube. That's right. Well, yeah, he is the deus ex machina of this film. <laughs> yep. Like, what do we do now? Oh, let's just bring this character that's going to save everybody that we don't even... And luckily he has a grenade launcher that just <laughs> kills all of the guys that were going to kill the team. Okay, now, Sasha, I have a question for you. Who do you think worked fewer days on this film, or fewer hours, because probably they both shot out in a day? Ice Cube or Samuel L. Jackson? Hmm. I'm going to say that Ice Cube. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I think Samuel Jackson had like more lines to memorize and sure. work and like choreograph speech in yeah. the beginning. Like he's, you know, he, he's, Samuel, he's in the cold open. Of this Samuel Jackson is only in two scenes, but he does carry both those scenes. Yeah. And much. Ice Cube says just like five words, probably. I, yeah. I, I, so I've seen this movie before. <laughs> From what I remembered, Ice Cube was only in that scene where he appears, blows people up with a grenade launcher, and then he was not in the movie again. So I was like, man, he shot out in an hour and a half. (laughs) But then he is in a scene with Vin Diesel a Mm -hmm. little bit after that. And he even has a costume change because he's in the background of Samuel Jackson's funeral. And now he's wearing a suit. So he at least spent half a day on that set. He definitely showed up maybe more than once on the Mm. set. You know, like that CG thing that he shot probably was just like probably his face on the green screen. And then they had a stunned person and they added his face mm. to that. Like that's usually In his introduction, done. you mean? With like, the rock, yeah, with the grenade yeah, launcher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Like those hard mm-hmm. scenes, they're probably actually very easy for the actual actor well, right. to shoot. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The best part though of this film is definitely Vin Diesel free-falling. Sure. Right? Vin yeah. Diesel like, and Zhang end yeah. up on this plane uh, with Tony Collette while the rest of the two teams are down um, mm-hmm. fighting anonymous people uh, with guns on the planet Earth. That's what we call it. There's another satellite is being pulled down to kill the team, and Vin Diesel is going to crash the plane into the satellite to save everybody, but there's no parachute for him. Mm-hmm. So he jumps out of the plane. In like bird, he maneuvers through the air. <laughs> you know, his faithful bike was able to ride on water, and he's <laughs> able to maneuver in the sky and catch on to the cargo attached to the parachute and open the parachute right. and land pretty smoothly-ish. It lands yeah. pretty hard. Well, I'll tell it, you, if Tony Collette <laughs> hit the ground as hard as that pallet of cargo did, then yeah, I understand mm. why she died. Mm-hmm. But that won't kill Vin Diesel because <laughs> no. he's Vin Diesel. And yeah. he's also wearing the uh, body, the body, body, armor. body yeah. armor. You think that protected him during the fall? So the body armor is not dissimilar to Black Panther's body armor where it's able to absorb mm. kinetic absorbs energy. kinetic energy mm-hmm. and then releases it out. <laughs> yeah, I think we've 
covered as much of the plot as well, is worth yeah. covering. Yeah, there's, of course, the epic kiss scene, right? The scene oh, between the two so the people who <laughs> have no chemistry whatsoever between Deepika and Vin Diesel. And there's this kiss that, like, there was no build-up to. There's no chemistry throughout mm-hmm. the film that you felt, like, really needed that kiss. But <laughs> someone in the studio thought there yeah. needed to be a kiss. And so they kiss for two seconds, and then that's when Ice Cube shows up, right? And and so the kiss gets interrupted. And so Vin Diesel turns around, but his lips are still like butterflies, like <laughs> like going like in the kiss motion. And I just look at him and I go, oh my God, like, he's an ugly fuck. Like, I, I, yeah. Would you have like walked away from the movie if you had to kiss Vin Diesel or you would have just... No, if I was Peter. Sasha's a professional. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just Sasha trying to figure out she would say he's an him. ugly fuck and walk away. <laughs> she would kiss him and then tell him he's an ugly fuck. Oh, okay. Well, speaking of that, let me tell you the story about Vin yeah. Diesel. Yeah. So this is as good a spot as any. So there's this Hollywood story that's okay. circulating, right? Mm-hmm. That it goes from, it starts with a director of Fast and Furious. A Fast and Furious. And it gets to Sasha. And it gets to me, okay. right? So... One time on a Fast and Furious movie shoot, Vin Diesel wanted a weekend off. And just for the listeners, go do some research because there's only four <laughs> Fast and four or five Fast and Furious directors. So you can yourself narrow this but, down. But there's no there's no like golden eggs. Like there's no way for you to find out through my story which mm-hmm. one it is, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, in fact, I don't know which director it is. Right. I you've don't. never seen a Fast and Furious. Movie. I saw a Fast Five because Fadel told me to watch it. <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> it's the best one. Yes, because I asked him which one mm-hmm. is the best one. He Five is the best. It. Yes. So anyway, so Vin Diesel wants a weekend off, and he comes up with a great idea to saying that he thinks that he has a brain tumor. He's on the film set on Friday, and he tells the director of Fast Furious, "He's like, I think I have a brain tumor. Wow. wow. And so I cannot work this weekend." And the director says, oh, my God, dude, like, if you have a brain tumor, like, let's fucking helicopter you out of this location. Yeah, we need Whatever to halt need to production. Go. Yeah. yeah, let's take care of it. He's like, how does it manifest? And Vin Diesel says, I don't know. He's like, like, I have a headache. I'm dizzy. Like, I don't know. It's just like this, everything's pointing out at this brain tumor. He's mm-hmm. like, I need this two days off. He's like, dude, we're definitely going to fucking helicopter you out of yeah. here. Vin Diesel freaks out because he doesn't want to be helicoptered out. Uh. He says, oh, shit. No, I'll be okay. Next day, he shows up on set, clearly remembering that he has maybe a brain tumor. <laughs> he mentions that he thinks he has the brain tumor that causes Tourette's syndrome. So he starts screaming. Famously caused by a brain tumor. Uh He starts screaming in the middle of the shoot. (laughs) My my head is in the microwave. My head is in the microwave. Like unexpectedly. (laughs) So everybody has to play the game of like, oh, like Vin Diesel, he probably has a brain tumor. Nobody believes him. Mm -hmm. But everybody starts like trying to be very nice to him. and, And finally by lunch, he forgets slash moves on and this doesn't come back but the whole entire morning he kept screaming things out to support his lie that he might have had a brain tumor that's where the story ends it would be interesting to know if that was one of the incidents that caused the rock to speak out against vin diesel's work ethic Mm. we'll never know (laughs) so sasha aside from that story did you have any personal connection to the Triple X franchise or Vin Diesel as a leading man? I honestly, the only Vin Diesel film I've seen was Fast Five, mm. uh-huh. as suggested by Fadel. Yeah. Right. I mean, 
Sounds like you have seen this film, Stephen, right? And have, all of yeah. Fast and Furious franchise. All of them, yeah. Big mm-hmm. fan of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I saw Triple X: The Return of Xander Cage right. when it was released in theaters uh, by myself. Sorry, <laughs> I wasn't there to go with you. <laughs> Great. So, Farrell, why do you think most people don't? like this film why is it what 49 or is it 45 percent on rotten tomatoes 45 i'm not sure it's mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. in the 40s why isn't it connecting with people the way that it connects with you i think critics wow might, you're blaming critics i am already jumping to blaming wow. critics but i this think this is a movie for the fans mm-hmm. not the critics mm-hmm. i think they might look at this movie and say that there are certain plot holes and discrepancies not it's just not the kind of movie where honestly you want to sit down and read the plot and ask whether or not this is likely to happen or if everybody's behaving perfectly rationally this is a movie where you're kind of going on a fun journey it's a wild ride and to be completely honest i've seen this movie a few times how many three times and i don't care about the plot holes or you know i feel like it's the kind of movie where if you cut out pivotal scenes it wouldn't even really bother me if, if i didn't know why all of a sudden you know xander cage's crew is now teamed up with the other former triple x crew that's fine that's not the heart of the movie the heart of the movie is just the action having fun and and it's more of a of a series of vignettes than it is a, a full movie Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't think I would like that at all. <laughs> that's, that's how I think of it. It's you know we could go through the plot, but all you need we to did. know, all you need to know is you know Vin Diesel kicks butt. And gives anyone... a different stilted performance from his other stilted performances. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's sillier. Xander Cage is a sillier character than right. Dominic Toretto, and a sexier character. We've already covered it. I think. I Presumably. think Xander Cage is really the character that. Vin Diesel wanted to write and and probably feels like Triple X is a vehicle that allows him the opportunity to really play the character that he's itching to play a little bit more than than maybe the cage that Fast and Furious puts him in. Wow. Mm-hmm. Cage. Have you seen The Last Witch Hunter, Fadl? I have not. That character is based on his D&D campaign. That's correct. <laughs> right, right, so, right. Correct. Old D&D uh, player of 20-some years. Yes, mm-hmm. he's a huge dork. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. I like that he's him. a D&D guy. Right. Live your truth, Vin. And, and then the other thing, I guess, before we close out about the We're movie, not closing out. Great. <laughs> I don't want to. You have to. no control of this podcast. That's perfect. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say the diverse cast is something that you don't see as often in Hollywood. I mean, we talked about this earlier on. We said, oh, it made $300 million, but they brought in a diverse cast. So that can sort of explain partially why it had a large international following. Well, then why don't other movies do more of it? It seems like if this is such an obvious thing to do, more movies should embrace it. Vin Diesel, I think, in his vehicles wisely embraces it and i would like to see other movies doing the same thing if the message from triple x is i could write a better triple x and get a billion people to watch it by bringing in a diverse crew well then great you should go and do it and don't give me seven white dudes again in another movie sounds like a description of direct to video Talking about our improv team. <laughs> Us and seven white dudes. Yeah. Fado, this is why we need you to come back. <laughs> 
Um, Steven. Yeah. I think it's time for us to rate this bad motherfucker. Well, f- for me to rate it, I, there's, you know, sometimes I'll call reviews from when a movie came out and, and, and you know, give them a little attention. Mm-hmm. I have a review that I want to read through real quickly uh, as part Take of my time, rating. Take your time, Slow go. down when you read it. Here's the review. Like most Vin Diesel vehicles these days, Triple X Return of Xander Cage makes efforts to embrace the ridiculousness of its very nature. Diesel returns as his character from the 2002 film for another ride on the world-saving carousel. F. Scott Fraser's script goes all in on the absurdity of recruiting extreme athletes as super spies, with lines like Tony Collette's, We need someone who can walk into a tornado and walk out the other side like it was a gentle breeze. Or Xander's, Patriotism is dead. There's only rebels and tyrants now. Between the dialogue and the characters... One member of Cage's team is a DJ played by Chris Wu with no special skills. Frazier sets the picture up as a schlocky masterpiece. Given more moving direction from DJ Caruso, maybe the film could have lived up to that promise. The diverse cast is so game for the material it's been given, especially Diesel, Colette, and Donnie Yen as a former spy with a complicated perspective, that the movie manages to be just fun enough to be worth the time of connoisseurs of such films. That review was written by me in 2017 <laughs> when this wow. came out. Uh, that's why wow. the wow. sentence structure is near incomprehensible. <laughs> this is very impressive. Yeah. So you wrote it for? This was just, there's a website called letterbox.com where people kind of log all the movies that they watch. And that's what I wrote. I was keeping up with it back then. I, I haven't done it in a while. And uh, that's what I wrote for it. For context, that was a 2.5 out of 5. That's what I gave the film at mm-hmm. the time. Is it a five, or where does it stand for you now, then, on a yeah. ten scale? Yeah, so I think, um, like Fadal, I'm a huge fan of the Fast and Furious films. The A, a nine or a ten for me would be the pinnacle of kind of exciting action filmmaking in mm-hmm. the current decade. I stand by most of what I wrote in that review. I like the direction a little bit more this time and like the writing a little bit less. I'm kind of moving in opposite directions with those. But I've got to tell you, you know, Donnie Yen brings so much to this movie that is unnecessary, you know, like mm-hmm. it, he didn't need to put his all into the movie that the way that he does, but he does that for everything. And uh, he really elevates the movie for me. He adds dimension to it that doesn't necessarily need to be there. He's a great action star. He has great screen presence. And uh, the rest of the movie is pretty fun. I, you know what? Uh, on this rewatch, I'm bumping it up. This is a seven wow. for me. How about you, Sasha? Cool. So I am, of course, not a big Fast and Furious fan. I only saw Fast Five, which I thought was cool. I liked it okay. I like old action movies, right? So mm-hmm. again, obviously, it's very different from Die Hard or Con Air or things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of movies that I respond to. The films of this century, I have no interest for. I get bored during the action sequences. I rarely find myself amused. It's just, you know, money-making, action machine, not interested in heist to begin with. <laughs> Spy is not mm-hmm. my genre. Mm-hmm. So it's already hard for me to take Fast and Furious and put it on the top of the scale. So you know? I think it's fair for you to, it would be fair for you to put Die Hard or yeah. Con Air at the top of the scale. If Con Air is 9 and Die Hard is 10, this film is a 3. 
one. Wow. I did not respond to the directing. I did not respond to the clunky chemistry between the actors. Sure. I wouldn't mm-hmm. forget for a second for the fact how much these actors, especially the Indian actress, had to struggle, it seemed, with English. You know, I'm sure she speaks good English, but like there were certain English that they were supposed to deliver and those mm-hmm. lines that maybe they wouldn't deliver in their own like Bollywood mm-hmm. atmosphere or somewhere else that they normally work. It felt to me like a reverse situation of Alien Resurrection where there was a foreign director working with people who spoke English and then there was a lot of miscommunication and that resulted in those emotional untruths. Here the emotional untruths came from the actors busy just trying to be those Hollywood types they were asked to be. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's where my three is. Farrell, where does this film stand Great. for you? So similar to Stephen, this genre is, I think, exemplified by the Fast and Furious franchise, especially Fast Five, Fast Six. I think Fast Five is probably the best uh, movie of the, all time in this genre. Your favorite genre. My favorite genre. <laughs> I, I actually personally like Fast Six more than Fast Five, even though I think Fast Five yeah, is a better you, movie. Why did you Fast tell me to watch? Better. Why did you tell me to watch Fast Five? I, I think Fast Five is. For a beginner, better movie for and, a fa- and Fast 6 is my, the most enjoyable for I me. I think Fast 5 is an easier access point. Mm-hmm. I think they take more time to explain things, but I think Fast 6 is the funner so, Yeah, experience. I think Fast 6 is the, the one that I enjoy watching the most. So ranking based off of things I want to watch, a Fast 5 is a 9.5, Fast 6 is a 10. When it comes to this movie, the main thing that upon rewatching it a third time gave me more pause is Vin Diesel's interaction with woman. Yeah. It's really what I think saves the Fast and Furious franchise is you don't see that. Um, right. His character in those movies is committed to one woman. Right. And uh, it's for the best. <laughs> yes. And in, in this movie, I think the biggest knocks I give come from those interactions Parts that I enjoy the most are just the, you know, as I mentioned, I see this as a string of vignettes and there are all these action sequences loosely connected by by plot. This description of the movie that you keep employing. Sounds like a Jerry Lewis film. Right. It's the not, bellboy. Listeners, he's wrong. I hate to contradict the guest, but Bottle's description of I, this movie as a series of vignettes <laughs> Is not correct. That's how I. It's like he's it. never seen a vignette. No, I've film. seen them. I've seen them. I, I, anyways. like it's a Paris Jetem. It's like a vignette film. <laughs> I understand, and but it, I stand by my statement. Anyways, I you know enjoy the action sequences. I enjoy. I mean, I think Tony Collette does a great job delivering. You know these lines that were given oh, yeah. to her. She's that, in it. She's, she's in it. She's, she's in fucking it great. I'm the only real actor. There's several real actors, in my opinion. Damn. You can come. Sorry, Nina Dobrev. <laughs> the one of two Russian actresses that <laughs> Sasha can name. Um, so, so you know, what would I give this movie? I think you know, I, I put this movie on par probably with Fast Eight, and and I'll give it a solid eight. Mm. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, yeah. Great, Fado. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing Triple mm-hmm. X, Return of Xander Cage with us. Stephen, is there anything you'd like to mention that caught your attention over the last week that you want people to shut up about and love? Yeah, well, so when we were talking about the kind of dearth of sexy men mm-hmm. in mainstream cinema right now, and you brought up Andre Holland, Sasha, it made me think of 
the movie from 2018, I believe, High Flying Bird, directed by Steven Soderbergh, one of my favorite directors. I have a cardboard cutout of him in my apartment. Um, See it every Wednesday at 8 o'clock <laughs> when we come to practice uh, improv at your place. Uh, Andre Holland is playing a uh, sports agent, and uh, one of his clients is entering the NBA, and mm-hmm. it's kind of about him wheeling and dealing to get this kid the best deal uh, despite maybe not always seeming to do it in what others might deem the best way. It takes a subject, sports agency, that is probably boring or uninteresting from the outside perspective, but Steven Soderbergh's grounded approach to any subject really makes it fun to watch, and Andre Holland is great in it. Uh, also good performance from Zazie Beetz in that movie. It's, oh, she's uh, amazing. Yeah, she's great. She's one of my faves. Uh, so I recommend it. Um, How about you, Sasha? Sure. I'll stick with Andre Holland because he's, you know, to me, currently one of the sexiest men alive. Call People Magazine because mm, we got mm, a new contender. Mm, mm. Uh, I would recommend Castle Rock. I mean, I'm a huge Stephen King fan, but I feel like Castle Rock... The Hulu, I think, series Mm -hmm. went under radar and people haven't really talked about it a whole lot. Yeah, Hulu series in general don't really get as much attention Mm -hmm. as like a Netflix series does, I feel. 87% on Rotten Tomatoes with amazing cast, which includes aforementioned Andre Holland, Mm -hmm. Bill Skarsgård, Cece Spacek, Melanie Linsky... And some other awesome people. It's kind of like an anthology series, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, like it's a, a series season. of vignettes. Well, <laughs> it's a season anthology, right? Uh, so season one is pretty resolved at the end. And Andre Holland is good. He is freaking amazing. And then there is also one episode, sort of like a bottle episode, that's very focused on Sissy Spacek. Mm-hmm. That I would recommend as one of just the best episodes of television altogether. Like cool. both Jay, my boyfriend, and I were watching it, and we were like. This is like tripping us out of how amazingly directed that episode is. So whichever episode of the series Mm -hmm. has Sissy Spacek as like the central character Uh is the one that we're talking about. Like if you're going to start watching this and you'll recognize it's one of those things like you start watching, you're like, oh, I'm watching something I've never seen before. Like Hmm. something from just completely different unseen before art in front of your eyes. So check out Castle Rock on Hulu. Great. Great. Fadal, anything you would like to plug, uh, like, uh, I don't know, your uh, efforts in the en- in the energy industry or any social media presence? You know, it's almost election season. I just want people not to feel discouraged and go and vote. I, you know, it's, I, it's a civic duty. I think we often lose sight in the United States about the privilege that we have to vote. And I, you know, just want to plug that. Go online, make sure that you're registered to vote. In California, you can register by mail. <laughs> Stephen, where can our audience find us performing improv with or without Fottle? Every second and fourth Thursday at the Moving Arts Theater on Hyperion Avenue at 9 p.m. Come see the premiere indie movie form team direct to video uh, as we host our show, the Direct to Video Awards. Thank you, Elizabeth Salute, for artwork. Thank you, Andrew Hayworth, for our theme music. Thank you, Carlton Gillespie, for promo videos. Thank you, Jay Hunter, for production support. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle on Twitter is at ShutUpILoveIt1, the number one. On Instagram, it's just ShutUpILoveIt. And I want to thank you all for listening. <laughs>